Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Welcome to another week of Church at Its Worst. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We will talk about some more problems going on in the church in Corinth that Paul has got to address for them. And before we start, as you are opening your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6, let me just reiterate what Jordan said at the beginning. If you didn't watch the announcements at the beginning, um, this is not a sermon suitable for children. Uh, This is going to be a sermon about sexuality because that's what the passage is about. Now, we're not going to be gratuitous or gross or anything like that, but we're going to talk about what the passage talks about. So parents, let me urge you to preview this before you show it to your kids, or you may be answering some questions about a bunch of words that you weren't ready to talk about yet. So, assuming you're still with me, read along with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to pick up right where we were last week. We're going to start in verse 9, and we're going to read down through the end of the chapter. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said that two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So Paul starts out this section with what we call a vice list, a list of things you shouldn't do. Eh, There are six or eight times that he does this in the New Testament. Here's a list of things you shouldn't do. He also has the opposite. He has a bunch of what we call virtue lists. So if you're familiar with the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Like that's a virtue list. Here's a bunch of things you should do. This is a vice list. Here's a bunch of things you shouldn't. But what's unusual about it compared to all the other times that Paul has these vice lists is that there's 10 terms here. There's 10 things he says you shouldn't be, and four of them have to do with sex. 
Now, he never talks about sex that much anywhere else in his list. Normally, like again, if there are eight of them, like six of the eight times that he does this, he just has one thing he says about sex. I think there's one other time he has two words about sex, but that's a huge list. It's like 15 or 18 items he lists in there. Four out of the 10, almost half of what he says here is about sex. And the first one that he says that, do you not know wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. That's the word he normally uses. So I'm reading from the NIV. They say sexually immoral. Other translations will say things like indulge in sexual sin or commit sexual sin or something like that. But it's just one word in Paul's language. And it's a great word. It's really important. The word in his language is porneia. And the root you can hear in there is porn. So obviously, you know where this word comes into English as. But for them, it doesn't mean pornography. For them, porn, if you go look that up in your you know, big classical Greek dictionary, what does this mean? It will say something like illegal sex or illicit sex. Now, it doesn't mean illegal like it's against the law. Porn in their world is any sex with anyone that you are not married to. Because if children were to be born from that union, if you sleep with someone and you have a child, what these guys care about is, does that child inherit? They are so, so concerned with inheritance. In their world, marriage is not like us. It's not about love. It's not about companionship. It's not about you know, filling in each other's weaknesses or anything like that. For them, marriage is about alliances. People get married to cement alliances. So in our world, if you and I went into business together, we'd draw up a contract. We'd form a corporation. We'd have a limited partnership. We'd get lawyers involved. We would specify who's going to do what, all that. We would sign it. Now we're legally joined in this entity. And if we decided to dissolve that, we're not going to work together anymore, then we would dissolve that contract. We dissolve that corporation or that entity. In Paul's world, in the Greco-Roman world in the first century, and, and this is true for hundreds of years before and hundreds of years after, if you and I were to go into business together, the way we would cement that relationship is my sister would marry your brother or your aunt would marry my cousin or something like that. There would be a marriage There wouldn't be a contract, there would be a marriage. The marriage would cement our two families together and the children of that marriage would inherit from both our families. And it's like I said, we would dissolve the entity. If you and I in Paul's world stopped working together, if we had a big falling out and we weren't gonna do this anymore, then the way we dissolve the entity is they'd get divorced. If my sister married your brother, and then a couple of years later, we have a falling out, we're not going to do this together anymore, then my sister and your brother would divorce one another because we don't want our families to be connected anymore. They are so, so concerned about inheritance. They don't really care who you sleep with. That's just not a big deal for them. They're concerned who you have children with. And so porn, porneia, is sex with anyone other than your legal spouse. Because anyone other than your legal spouse that you have sex with, if you were to have a child, that child will not inherit. It's not a legal heir. That's 
what matters to them. Porneia is not a moral term. It's kind of almost a legal term. It defines a relationship. And in Paul's world, the Greco-Roman world, it was one man and one woman who were married. You couldn't have multiple wives. You couldn't have multiple husbands. There was no such thing as gay marriage. The only way you could be married is one man and one woman. And porn is anything other than those two people sleeping together. Because if those two people have a child, that's a legal inheritor. That child inherits from dad's family and mom's family. It keeps the alliance together. Anyone else they sleep with, if they were to have a child, that child's not a legal inheritor. That, that liaison, that affair, that's porn in their world. And you can see why this is such a great word for us, because this is exactly the Christian ethic about sex. Like, it doesn't matter. If you are married to someone and then you sleep with someone else in their world, that's porn. If you're not married yet and you sleep with someone, two single people sleeping together, that's porn. If you're a guy sleeping with a guy or a girl sleeping with a girl, in their world, that's porn. It doesn't matter. We have all these different terms, straight sex, gay sex, a fornication, adultery, all these things. It doesn't matter. Porn is anything other than the one man and the one woman who are married sleeping together. And that's what the Christians taught about sex. That's what the Bible says about sex. It's this wonderful word because it means exactly what we mean. You know, so often in my sermons, I'm able to explain words to you. Like if you remember in the last few weeks, we've had to talk about this issue of judging, right? What does judging mean? Well, it has this wide definition and it can be this or it can be this. And when you read the Bible, it's this, but we often think of it this way. So much of what I do and I preach is help you understand what this actually says. You don't have to worry about what Pornea says. It perfectly comes in to what we think as Christians, to what the Bible teaches. Any sex outside of one man and one woman who are legally married to each other is porn, porneia. And this word porneia, it appears over 50 times in the New Testament, and it's always condemned. There are no good examples of porneia. Anytime it's said that someone's doing porneia, it's bad. Anytime porneia is taught, it's like this vice list. Don't do it. This is bad. There are lots of things in scripture that are debatable. There are lots of things in the Bible that solid, conservative, Bible-believing people disagree on. Predestination and free will, church governance, all these different ideas that we look at the scriptures and we say, well, you know, the Bible really doesn't teach definitively on this issue. So there's a range of options for Christians. Brothers and sisters, porneia is not one of those issues. There is no wiggle room. It, like, it says exactly what we mean in Christianity. It's one man, one woman married. Anything other than that is not okay in the body of Christ. And again, Paul uses it. Jesus uses it. Peter uses it. John uses it. James uses it. The writer of Hebrews uses it. The writer of Revelation uses it. It's in, like, not in every book of the New Testament, but most of them, and it's always condemned. This is not a debatable matter. The Christian view of sexuality is not up for grabs, and don't believe people who want to tell you that it is. That is the beauty of the word porneia. It has a very specific, almost legal definition. It's any sex other than one man and one woman who are married to each other. And again, for them, it wasn't about morality. It was about inheritance. Oh, but the Christians pick up on that because that is exactly what the scriptures teach about sexuality. 
one man and one woman. In that context, one man and one woman who are married to one another exclusively. You can't have multiple wives. You can't have multiple husbands in this world. One man and one woman exclusively married. That's what the scriptures teach. Yes, absolutely. We'll see this in weeks to come. Absolutely. That is good and right and what God wants. But anything outside of that, You're married and you're sleeping with someone else. No, that's wrong. You're not even married yet. You're sleeping with someone. No, that's wrong. A guy sleeping with a guy, a girl sleeping with a girl. No, that's wrong. That's all porneia. And it's forbidden in the scriptures, just as it's forbidden here. And then as I told you, Paul does this unusual thing of he elaborates it. Normally he just says that because that says it all. It's the perfect word. But he goes on to talk about adulterers aren't going to get the kingdom of heaven. They're not going to be part of what God is doing. Now, adultery is when you are married and you sleep with someone who's not your spouse. That's included in porneia. But maybe Paul just wants to emphasize this because he's going to go on and talk about sex all throughout this chapter. He's going to talk about sex all throughout chapter seven. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. He goes on after adultery, which would be a, a, a man or a woman who are married, then sleeping with a different man or woman. And he talks about homosexuality, neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. And your Bible may make a note that that's actually two terms. It's two guys having sex with each other. That's not okay. Straight sex isn't okay unless you're married. Homosexual sex isn't okay. You can't even be married in his world. Paul, he's just drilling down on this idea of sexuality. This is what we teach, Paul says. This is what the scriptures tell us. This is God's ethic on sexuality. One man, one woman, married. That's it. Anything else is forbidden. And then he tells us why. And what he says is remarkable. So if you look at verse 12 and verse 13, your Bible probably has some of that in quotes. Quote, I have the right to do anything, end quote, you say. Quote, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. These are sayings that the Corinthians have sent to Paul. See, 1 Corinthians, I've told, I told you this actually, you know, way back in January, which what, was like a decade ago. 1 Corinthians isn't Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. He's already written them one letter and they've written him back. We just don't have either of those. God didn't preserve them. This is the first one that got preserved, but it's actually his second letter to the Corinthians. He's written them, they've written them back. And this is one of their arguments. The Corinthians are saying, anybody can have sex with anyone they want. And they give a couple reasons. One is, hey, we're free, right? We're free from the law. That's what Paul teaches all the time. Christ has freed you from the law. Well, if we're freed from the law, then we can do whatever we want. And also they're like, food for the stomach, the stomach for food, it's all gonna go away. Like, what's the big deal? They're just bodies, right? Someday your body's gonna die. Your soul, your spirit is gonna go to heaven. So what? What's the issue? I mean, clearly any man can have sex with any woman. Any man can have sex with any man. Any woman can have sex with any woman. What's the big deal? It's just bodies. They're gonna be destroyed. And Paul says these really interesting things. He doesn't really deal with their first issue of, well, I'm free, because he's actually gonna deal with that later on in like chapter 10. So he just says to them, effectively something along the lines of, well, yes, you're free, but don't be morons. You're free to jump off the roof too. But when you break your back, that's not gonna help you. 
But he's going to defer that to many chapters later. But when they say, hey, look, it's just bodies. I mean, clearly bodies are made to have sex, just like the stomach is made to eat. So what the heck? Listen to what Paul says to them in verse 13. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. The body's not meant, there's that word again, for porneia. The body's not meant for sex outside of marriage. So They've said to him, hey, look, you've got a stomach. A stomach's clearly made for food. You've got sexual organs. They're clearly made for having sex. You put food in your stomach. You use your sexual organs to sleep around. What's the problem? Paul says, sure. I mean, you've got a stomach that's meant for food, but you don't put wood chips in it. It's not meant for that. The body's not meant for sexuality. So what's he going to say next? The body's not meant for sex outside of marriage, porn, porneia, Isn't the next thing he should say, the body's meant for sex inside of marriage. But he doesn't say that. Instead of saying what logically the next part of his argument is, the body's not made for sex outside of marriage, it's made for sex inside of marriage. He says, it's made for the Lord. Where you expect him to say, marriage, the body's made for sex in marriage. Paul says, the body is made for the Lord. That's a remarkable statement. He is taking sex marital, the right sex, sex that God created, as he'll quote later, God makes Adam, God makes Eve. He brings them together. He marries them. They sleep together. They become one flesh. That all happens before the fall. That is good and right, and God created it. God created sex. It's his idea. Paul equates sex with salvation. Where you expect to see marriage, sex in marriage, you see the fact that we're saved that we are connected to Christ. And he's just gonna run with this idea. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. He'll raise you too. Hey, you're gonna have a body again, right? I get that you're saying, oh, you're gonna die and your body's going away, but that's not your final state. Your final state isn't some disembodied spirit somewhere. Jesus was raised from the dead. He had a body. You're gonna have a body too. At that point, You're not going to just sleep around. You shouldn't be sleeping around now. You're not going to sleep around then. Why? Do you not know, verse 15, your bodies are members of Christ Jesus himself, that our physical bodies, what they are saying, oh, what's the big deal, right? Clearly, people were meant to have sex. Like, what's the problem? They're just bodies. They're going to die and go away. Paul says, your body, it's part of Jesus, It's a member, it's a limb, it's an extremity. You as a Christian, you have been joined to Jesus. You're part of him. Shall I take the members of Christ? Because that's you. You're a member of Jesus' body and unite them with a prostitute. That word prostitute, it's porn-a-a. Excuse me, it's porn-a. So the porn means sleeping around. The a means it's a woman. Porn-a-a is the act of sleeping around. Porn-a is a woman sleeping around. Porn-nos is a man sleeping around. Yes, it's a prostitute, but really it's any woman that you're sleeping with that's not your wife. Paul says, you've been united to Christ. Now what happens when you unite yourself to a prostitute? Because it's said the two become one flesh. He's quoting Genesis. He's quoting what we just talked about a minute ago, that when God makes Adam and Eve and puts them together and marries them, that then they sleep together and they become one flesh. And Paul's saying, hey, it's not the marriage part that made them one flesh. It's sex. Sex makes you one flesh. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not. It still forms that union. 
If you unite yourself to a prostitute, Paul says, verse 17, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now again, think about the image he's making. He's using sex to explain salvation. That us having God's spirit, because the scripture says, when you accept Jesus, your sins are forgiven, he takes care of all that, but he also gives you his spirit to help you live and to prepare you and to remind you. Paul compares that to sex. That somehow the, the sexual union between a man and a woman, that's like what happens when we get the spirit. So you are united to Christ when you become a Christian. You have his spirit. You're part of his body. Now, what happens when you take that and unite yourself through sex to someone else? Notice, this is Jesus. This is you. You're united. It's not like this. You don't leave Jesus when you go and sleep with someone else. You take him with you. That's why Paul says, all other sins are outside your body. You and Jesus are united. When you are unkind to someone, when you are cruel, when you do terrible things, all of that is external. You and Jesus are still together and your sin is external to that union. But when you sleep with someone, then you unite Jesus to them as well. Can you see why that would make him angry? Can you see why scripture would say over 50 times, don't do this? It angers the Lord. You're not part of his kingdom if you do these things. Can you see why every writer of scripture mentions, don't do this. This is bad. You, you are not, do you not know? Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. You have God's spirit united with you in your spirit. Verse 17, whoever's united with the Lord, he's one with him in spirit. And that's like sex. Somehow, sex is a picture of that. You and Jesus together, united through his spirit. And any other sin that you commit is outside of that union. You are not forcing Jesus to participate in that sin. But when you take yourself and you sleep with someone else, then you are bringing Jesus along because he is united to you. Remember what he said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. He has to come along when you do those things. And church, listen, this is important. He doesn't like it. It's not the world he created. He does not appreciate it when you bring him along in your sin. Can you see why sexual sin is so devastating? Why scripture warns us against it. There's only one command in this whole passage. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Not resist it, not be strong. I mean, heck, not even like what it'll say in Ephesians, put on the full armor of God so you can withstand the devil. We're told to stand against the devil and with, you know, to withstand his attacks, right? We are told to flee sexual immorality. Go the other way, run, run. Because this is the only kind of sin where you force Jesus to participate with you. And he does not like that. That angers him. He doesn't want to be part of that. 
Can you see why this is taught so clearly, so exactly, over and over and over again in Scripture? There are no good examples of people committing sexual sin. There is not a single place. There are hundreds of cases of people having sex in the Scriptures. Like the Scriptures do not hide from any of life. It is everywhere. There's not a single case of someone having sex with someone else who is not their spouse where anything good happens, where it is ever condoned. There is no case where scripture ever says, well, adultery is usually bad, but you know, there is this one place here. No, there's no place where scripture ever says pornea is okay. 50 plus times, always, always condemned. Okay, and that doesn't even count all the times you see porne, a woman sleeping around, porno, some man sleeping around, and those are always condemned too. Like, this is so, so clear in the Bible. And Paul, I think, wants to make sure they understand it as well. He is going to go on through all of chapter seven, and we will get to that in two weeks. So next week, Sermon's totally G and PG. You're fine with kids. Two weeks, we jump back into when Paul starts talking about sex again. All of chapter seven is all gonna be where he starts explaining the various situations about sex. Okay, what about if you have unmarried daughters? What about if you're widowed? What about if your spouse isn't a Christian? Like He's gonna begin to examine the various cases when we get into chapter seven. But here in chapter six, he lays out the framework How do we as Christians think about sex? And it is crystal clear. It is one man, one woman, and they're married. That's it. Everything else is porneia. Everything else is forbidden. And I don't just mean it's forbidden. I mean, it is forbidden, condemned, don't do this. All the other sins you commit, And please understand me, I'm not trying to say that all those other sins are are okay or good or anything like that. They're not. They're horrible. They separate you from God. But none of them bring Jesus along with you. None of them involve that union you have with Christ where you then bring him into something that he does not want to be in. The Bible is incredibly pro-sex. We'll see that as we go on. But it is incredibly pro-sex in marriage. One man one woman married. When you are united to Christ and you sleep with your spouse, Jesus is delighted. He's thrilled. That's the way he made it to work. Sex is his good gift to people. Again, he created it before the fall. It's not something that he had to figure out later, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How are we going to get more people? This is part of his good creation. When he made Adam and then he said, the only thing he ever said, it's not good about creation. It's not good for the man to be alone. So he made Eve and he brought them together and he said, this is very good. Sex in marriage, that is very good. Jesus is delighted to come along with you when you sleep with your spouse because that's exactly what he wants. Oh, but brothers and sisters, again, listen, this is important. He is not delighted when you do that with anyone else. He is angry. He does not appreciate you bringing him along, sinning against your own body, which is part of his body. You are joined to him through the spirit. And now you take him and you do this. 
Can you see why scripture is so intense about this? Why this would make the Lord so angry? Why Paul would say, no other sin is like this. So flee, run away when you are in situations where you are tempted to commit porneia, to sleep with somebody who's not your spouse. Your command is not even to stand against it firmly. It's to run, to get out of there. Remember, this is any sex other than your spouse. This is not you're married and okay. Oh, well, I'm married. All right, so I need to be faithful. But you know, if you're, if you're not married, it's okay. No, that's porneia, right? This is not, oh, well, you know, I'm a guy and I'm sleeping with a guy. That, that's not the same thing. No, that's porneia. A girl and a girl, a guy and a guy, a guy and a girl. It doesn't matter. The scriptures don't condemn homosexuality and approve of heterosexuality. They condemn sex outside of one man, one woman. They condemn porneia. Anything other than those two people married together. Doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter the circumstances. When I was with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship teaching college students, I used to give this talk from this passage every year because they had to know. I, I had to tell them how devastating this is. And it is. You see, you can see what happens to people when they start sleeping with folks who aren't their spouse. It just spins them out of control. You could tell. You could tell when somebody had started sleeping with his girlfriend or sleeping with their boyfriend because their whole life just started to spin out of control because they are united to Christ. And now they are uniting them in Christ to someone that they have no business doing that with. I did this every single year. Because sex is God's great gift to us. And because it is so great, because it is so important, because God is so pro-sex and he loves sex so much, oh, it makes him angry when we abuse it. It makes him angry in ways that Paul seems to say other sins don't. So brothers and sisters, if you are doing this, if you are doing porneia, if you are sleeping with anybody who is not your spouse, and I mean one man and one woman married, that's what marriage meant in his world. If you are sleeping with anybody else, please stop, stop now. Don't do it again. Don't decide to stop tomorrow. Don't decide one more time for old time's sake. Stop, flee, get out of the room if you have to. Do what you need to do because this is devastating. Sexual sin is devastating. If you are doing porneia, please stop. Find a way. Get some help. Change your schedule. Stop watching what you're watching. Stop hanging out the way you're hanging out. I get it. If you're sleeping together, that will be hard. That will be very, very hard. Because again, sex is good. It is God's good gift. It unites you to your spouse. That's exactly what it's supposed to do. You don't want to tear that apart. I get it. That's hard. But brothers and sisters, you've got to. You have got to flee it. You have got to stop it. It's devastating. A couple weeks from now, we will start looking at all the specifics and what all these things mean. But here's where we end now. Don't you know, you are united to the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Don't do things that anger the Lord. Don't do things that devastate you. 
all other sins are outside your body. You are not uniting Jesus to those things. This sin, porneia, sleeping with anyone other than your spouse, you are, and it is devastating. Now, I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray that God protects us from this, and I'm gonna pray for you if you are doing this. And you pray for yourself as well, and then you make a plan. Make a plan on how you're gonna stop this, because it isn't just gonna happen. You are meant, you are connected. You, you have connected yourself to someone. Two have become one. That's exactly what is supposed to have happened. But if you have not married them, then that is evil. It is wrong. It angers and dishonors the Lord. So make a plan on how you're gonna stop doing this until you get married. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your good gift of sex. I mean, we'll see that in the weeks to come, that this is your idea, you did this, it's your gift to mankind. And yet, Lord, because it is so good, of course, the evil one has attempted to, to, to ruin it and to use it for great harm. Because it is so, so good, and it does such a good thing in uniting married couples together, then it can be used for such horrible, terrible wrong. So, I pray for us, Jesus, that you would protect us from porneia, that we would not not indulge in it, we would not turn to it, we would not fantasize about it, we would not fill our minds with it, we would flee it. We would flee the very thought of it because all other sins are outside our bodies. Jesus, help us to do exactly what you've said, the only command here, to flee, to flee Pornea, flee sexual immorality. And Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I know in the, however many hundred people or whatever are watching this, I, I know some of us are doing this. Of course we are. It is exactly what we are supposed to be doing, but only when we're married. And so Jesus, I pray for any folks out there listening to me who are committing pornea, who are sinning against their own bodies and who are sinning against you because they are united to you in their body. Jesus, I pray that you would give them strength and courage to stop this, to stop it now. I pray you would give them a plan. I pray you would speak into their very minds right now and tell them that this dishonors you, that it angers you, that they need to stop. And Jesus, I pray that that you would show them how to stop, that you would empower them, that, that your spirit inside them would show them exactly what they need to do to stop sinning against you, sinning against your spirit, sinning against their very bodies. Lord, you made sex. You know how hard it is to stop. We're not supposed to stop. We're supposed to be married and continue to do this over and over and over again. It is your good gift to us. Oh, Jesus, I pray for anybody listening to me who is committing porneia, who is sleeping with anyone they're not married to. Lord, give them courage. Give them determination Give them the strength that they need to stop and to obey you. Jesus, we we beg this of you in your holy name. Amen.